Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ah, well... Things are changing very rapidly in the world of form. And my sincere wish for us, intention for us, is that things are also changing rapidly in our hearts and minds and that we're opening ourselves to a life of great compassion and understanding that we are all consciously choosing to be a loving teaching presence, teaching only love, for that is what we are. Yes, my topic today is for transforming terror to peace. So let's begin with a blessing. Someone was telling me recently that when the first time they heard me say, let's place our hands on our hearts and and bless ourselves and each other and the whole world, they thought, oh boy. (laughs) And now they love it. So there you go. We can all shift and change. So let's do just that. Place our hand on our heart and tune within, consciously being grateful that prayer is so powerful, that prayer is the medium of miracles, A Course in Miracles tells us. We are grateful that prayer is a means of communion with our Creator. It is a recognition and a remembrance of who we truly are and who sent us and what for. We are grateful to open our hearts and open our minds to the truth that liberates us from all false beliefs and perceptions. We're partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self intent on remembering our wholeness, and our holiness. And we are grateful and thankful to see, to recognize, to fully know this truth for our brothers and sisters. So we are grateful to walk in the world as a holy presence, a healing presence. We are grateful to leave behind our thoughts of the past and to accept the atonement for ourselves. We're accepting the truth that Separation can never occur. It is not possible. We are grateful to share the benefits of our healing and our awakening with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Mm-hmm. So turning terror to peace. Yes. I'm going to begin, I feel guided to begin with uh, chapter 2, the uh, very end of section 5, which ends with the uh, Jesus telling us, the injunction, be of one mind is the statement for revelation readiness. So let's be in revelation readiness. Now is the best time ever. Now, now is the only time we can actually be in revelation readiness. So let's intend. So let's wake up each morning and say, Jesus, today I am intending to be in revelation readiness mode. I choose to be in revelation readiness. I welcome your revelations. I welcome all revelations of truth. Truth liberates us from false beliefs. And I am ready for truth. I am willing to relinquish my attachments to all the perceptions and projections, all the meaning that I've ever given to anything, I'm giving it all to you for healing right now. I choose revelation readiness. 
Now, the next sentence, and this is paragraph 17, chapter 2, section 5. And he says to us, My request, do this in remembrance of me, is the appeal for cooperation from miracle workers. So, this is what he's saying. Do it in remembrance of Jesus. We will be lifted up. We will be lifted up if we're willing to live our days and make our choices in remembrance of Jesus. Let us be cooperative miracle workers. He next says, the third sentence in this paragraph, the two statements, be of one mind and do this in remembrance of me, the two statements are not in the same order of reality. Only the latter involves awareness of time, since to remember is to recall the past in the present. Time is under my direction, but timelessness belongs to God. In time, we exist for and with each other. In timelessness, we coexist with God. In other words, we can always be of one mind. It's beyond time. It's the truth of our being. Now, very, very important. Next, he says to us, you can do much on behalf of your own healing and that of others if, in a situation calling for help, you think of it this way. So again, if we'd like to be a healing presence, if we'd like to experience healing ourselves, think of it this way. And this is how we're thinking of those Two statements, be of one mind and do this in remembrance of me, right? Combining those two statements, he's saying, this is how you do it. All right, here it comes. We say, this is how he's telling us to think of it. Think of it this way. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do, because God who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever God wishes, knowing God goes there with me. I will be healed as I let God teach me to heal. I will be healed as I let God teach me to heal. So each day when we awaken, we can remember this. It's easy to remember. It is. If we're willing to really know it in our heart, it's very easy to remember. And let me be a healing presence this day. We are already, it's pre-installed, We're pre-empowered to do it. The question is, will we align our free will with God's will? Or do we insist on using our free will to make something in the illusion? Or will we make something that's, or will we be in that creative place with God and create expressions of God's love and perfection? We get to choose. So let me. Teach only love. Let me teach healing. Let me learn healing. This is my trajectory today. Yes. Now, going back to our topic of transforming terror to peace, this is precisely how we do it, by aligning in this way. So it's not a a coincidence, it's a coincidence (laughs) that the very next thing in the text is the fear and conflict section in chapter 2. And I I just shared in Masterful Living yesterday for people to read this section every day this week. It's really just three pages of text. The entire fear and conflict section, section 6 in chapter 2. And it's so valuable to us because this really is how we turn terror to peace. 
he begins with being afraid seems to be involuntary, something beyond your own control. But it's not, because we're the ones who choose what we're going to think. We've decided what our beliefs are. It may not seem like it, but we have decided what our beliefs are. As I was meditating on this earlier, what Spirit showed me was when I was in my 20s, I worked at the public theater. I worked for the New York Shakespeare Festival. And uh, for a week, I think it was, I was subbing for uh, an extra, like, side thing, uh, I had the opportunity to go and work at Shakespeare in the Park at night at the in, after my job was done. Um, and I went and I sold t-shirts, things like that, the concessions. Um, and I closed up shop one evening and was walking out of the park to walk home. I lived on the Upper West Side then in New York City. And uh, as I was leaving the park, a man who must have been watching me knew I had money in my bag. He held me up at knife point and said, give me all your money. So I just gave him the envelope of T-shirt money whatever that was, a few hundred dollars. And um, and then I just caught a cab and went home. It was kind of bizarre. And I wasn't that terrified, but I remember last month I was in New York City and I was driving to leave the city to go home. And I was driving down a, an unpopulated street that was under construction on the far west side. And there was a fellow who dressed and looked similar to the man who held me up at knife point. And as, and he was walking on the street. And as I was driving by, I instinctively locked my door. I don't normally lock the doors when I get in the car, uh, maybe at night or something like that, but not in the daytime. But it triggered a memory that I didn't even think about at the time, but it triggered a memory of, oh, this person looks like that person who held me up at knife point. Maybe he's not safe. I'm going to lock my door. So we have a myriad of memories like this from this lifetime and others. And... So it seems like being afraid seems involuntary. In that moment, I I did have a moment of fear. It was very um, low level, just caution, really. But there it was. I had, in my psyche, made a decision. People who look like that might not be safe because of my experience. Totally understandable. I'm not saying it's wrong, but the important thing is to recognize is that we have millions, maybe even more, of these kinds of thoughts and beliefs. And they do seem to be involuntary, but they're not. They're not. We chose that belief, that thought. We made a decision. And that's where the lessons of A Course in Miracles begin. I've given everything I see, everything I experience, everything in this room, everything on the street, everything, 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 all the meaning that it has for me. And that's why A Course in Miracles is a mind training system so we can actually relinquish all the attachments to the meaning that we've given everything, whether we recognize we're the one that did that or not, whether we recognize that was our free real choice or not. So this is where he takes us next. He says, being afraid seems to be involuntary, something beyond your own control. Yet, I have said already that only constructive acts should be involuntary. 
Only constructive acts should be involuntary. My control can take over everything that does not matter. While my guidance can direct everything that does, if you so choose. Let's choose that together right now. So let us right now give to Jesus control over everything that doesn't matter. What doesn't matter? How about preferences? Do preferences really matter? They're important to us, you know. I have a preference for a certain kind of coffee in a certain way. I have a preference for all kinds of things, right? We have preferences for the kind of cookies that we like, the kind of um, music that we listen to. We have preferences for the way we like the lighting in a room. I have a lot of preferences around that. What if we give everything that does not matter to the control of Jesus. Do we have any thought or feeling that he would make life hard for us? That he would make choices that would pain us? That he would cause us to feel crucified, tortured, enslaved? Some of us will say yes to that. Yes, not sure. Ah, gosh, maybe if I give everything that doesn't matter over to Jesus and his control, I'll never have a glass of wine again. And I need that wine. I like that wine. That wine helps me get through my nights. I look forward to it all day long. I I have felt that way. So if you're having these thoughts, be aware of them. Because just the awareness of them is healing. So we can recognize, do we trust Jesus or not? Do we trust or not? And most of us will say no. And that's why I recently did an episode on how to recognize if you have a fear of God. Because a lot of us know is the answer. I do not trust. I believe that if I put my life under the control of Jesus, there would be no more of the things I enjoy. There would be no flaming hot Cheetos, <laughs> and uh, which are delicious. I don't. I don't eat them, but <laughs> they are delicious. Um, uh, there will be no more sex. There will be. We have these beliefs, right? That everything we think is a sin, Jesus will eradicate from our life. It's not true. But we do have these beliefs. So my antidote to the pain and suffering caused by this is to give the beliefs to the Holy Spirit. To give the beliefs to the Holy Spirit for healing. So that all that I am paying attention to, interested in, functioning by, is the truth. Truth is our liberator. And the truth is that we can live in heaven now. We can learn through joy instead of through pain. But we do have to be willing. This is the the real nitty-gritty here. So he says in the same sentence, my control can take over everything that does not matter, while my guidance can direct everything that does, if you so choose. Can we be willing just to hear the guidance clearly? And the guidance will be things like, don't say that. That won't be helpful. Don't do that. Do this instead. 
have patience with that one, and our attachment will be to our own perspective, our own perception, our own projection. No, they need to be punished. They are wrong and bad. One of the healing practices that I have implemented in my life is to be extremely mindful of any thoughts I have about they should be punished. You know, we're driving in the car, someone is driving in a way we don't like, and we think, I hope they get a ticket. Do we really hope they get a ticket, or would we just like them to drive differently? Do we need them to be punished? Do, they, do we need them to be reprimanded? Right? When we're little kids, sometimes we want our brothers and sisters to get in trouble because we think somehow that's going to make us look better because we believe we look bad. If we can really give up these root causes of fear and open ourselves to the guidance of how to choose love, where to choose when, how to be truly helpful, when to be truly helpful, with whom to be truly helpful, can we really let the one who sent us direct us? If we can, we will be healed of the belief in sin. We will be healed of everything that bothers us. Everything that bothers us. Would we give up everything that bothers us? Or do we like being bothered? This is a question for us to ask ourselves. So I say, Jesus, take over everything that does not matter. Take it over. I am willing to trust you. I'm willing to learn from you. And guide and direct me on everything that does matter. Guide and direct me. And furthermore, I ask the angels, I ask you, Jesus, I ask the entire company of heaven and all that is holy to help me follow the guidance, recognize the guidance, value the guidance, implement the guidance. And live a life of joy. Let me teach how to live a life of joy. Let me demonstrate it actively everywhere I go in everything I do. Show me how to give up all attraction to that which is painful and uncomfortable. I'm so grateful. Guide me, lead me, direct me. This day, and every day. We can make a prayer like that every day, many times throughout the day. Anytime we feel we're not happy, we're choosing it, and we can say, okay, Jesus, guide and direct me right now. Right now. Guide me out of this misery of my own making. I'm here only to be truly helpful. Let me be truly helpful to myself right now. Let me be truly helpful to my brothers and sisters. What is your guidance? What say you? And then let us place our hand on our heart and get still and wholeheartedly listen and follow. The very next sentence is, Fear cannot be controlled by me, but it can be self-controlled. Fear prevents you from giving you my control. The presence of fear shows that you have raised body thoughts to the level of the mind. This removes them from my control and makes you feel personally responsible for them. This is an obvious confusion of levels. So whenever there's discomfort... The presence of fear shows that we've, level, we've raised body-level thoughts to the level of the mind, and we are I totally identified with the body. We have to be willing to shift it in order for the shifting to happen. We don't have to do it. We can give it to Jesus to guide and control for us. You see? 
We don't have to figure anything out. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because the one who sent me will direct me if we allow it. We're just restarting our free text messages. And uh, gosh, it's been a long journey with these dang text messages, but I know people love them. So inspirational text messages, if you're interested, please sign up acimtexts.com acimtexts.com I'm also doing a free forgiveness workshop uh, this Saturday free online please come and join please share with others if you see it at Facebook like, comment, share thank you Ah, it's time for me to take a break. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're living the love. We're walking the talk. And I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm so happy to be sharing with you. And we're transforming terror to peace. And we're putting the Holy Spirit in charge. We're putting Jesus in charge, giving Jesus the control, giving Jesus the directive to guide us and we're willing more willing than we've ever been before to live without fear it's so helpful to everyone now to for us to teach only love and to that end i'm offering a free forgiveness workshop this saturday we'll probably rerun it um, and you, so you can register for it. If you can't join us on Saturday, we'll let you know when you could join us uh, on a replay or something like that. Uh, here's how forgiveness and fear are related. The thing that we're experiencing the fear as a result of is our attack thoughts. It's our attack thoughts that make us so vulnerable. Those who are truly helpful are invulnerable. This is the teaching of A Course of Miracles. That's why I started with that, what I call the purpose prayer about being truly helpful. Those who are truly helpful are invulnerable. This is the teaching of Jesus in A Course of Miracles. Those who extend love and compassion are invulnerable. And when we feel afraid, it is because we are holding on to judgments and opinions and beliefs. And they're really all the same thing, just kind of different flavors, judgments, opinions, beliefs, attack thoughts. They're all different variations on the same theme, like different kinds of carrots, different colored carrots. They're all carrots just different colors. So opinions, judgments, attack thoughts, beliefs, they're all the same flavor. Uh, All different, slightly different flavors of the same thing. And it is those that we must forgive. That's the only thing there is to forgive is our decision to hold a false belief. We must forgive our decision to have an attack thought. We forgive our choice to energize a false belief. So these are the things that we forgive. We don't forgive what happens. Literally, we don't forgive what happens. We forgive the meaning we made of it. Because two people can experience the same thing. Somebody can tell me and I'm an idiot and it could bother me or not bother me. That's my choice. 
someone could tell me there's not enough toilet paper. That could bother me or not bother me. That's my choice, right? For me, it wouldn't make me afraid. It wouldn't bother me unless I believed there was a problem and it was triggering that belief. My beliefs are my decisions and my choices. So that's why all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. We forgive ourselves for the decisions we've made. So this workshop that I'm doing on forgiveness, I call it Forgive and Be Free. We look at what forgiveness is and what it is not and how and why it is so helpful and how to do it, how to do it, how to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. And it is so, so powerful, so very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I invite you to come and join us. I love doing this workshop in person or online. And when things change with the coronavirus, I'll be doing it in person again probably do a forgiveness retreat and lots of other wonderful events we'll be able to gather together in person for now we gather together online and it's just occurring to me right in the second but if you didn't get to join masterful living and now you're thinking Holy moly, I could really use that kind of support right now. And you're willing to jump in and get caught up because maybe now you have the time, you're home from work, things like that. Just just contact us. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll help you. Um it's it's a bit late, but it's not too late. And people are been sharing with me so much how deeply grateful more than ever they are that they're in Masterful Living. If you're an alumni of Masterful Living and you're listening to this, you can come back. I sent an email out the other day. Uh, I believe it was Saturday. So come back if you like. We welcome you. Yes, we do. So when we... Hold grudges, resentments, grievances, opinions, judgments, false beliefs. That is the cause of fear. That is what keeps separation in place. When we are actively keeping separation in place, we feel guilty, we feel ashamed deep down, even if we don't recognize it. These are the root causes of feeling afraid. And This is what he tells, Jesus tells us is fixable. And if we put our mind under his guidance and we let him control everything that doesn't matter, all the little things, all the preferences, we're actually going to be delighted. I have become delighted. One of the things that I'm noticing in this, uh, I'm self, I'm self quarantined now for nine days because I traveled. I was in California. I was at a conference. I was on planes. So I came home and I did the responsible thing. I self quarantined. And I just want to say, um, Listen to multiple news channels right now because some are really deficient in giving the medical guidance, the scientific guidance. I've got a friend in the hospital with coronavirus. It's very intense. And um, I'm much relieved. Uh, I heard late last night he's doing better. Might go home in a few days. Uh He's been there for 12 days and in the ICU, very intense, very strong, um, very strong, very fit. I mean, this is a guy who works out and you can see it. (laughs) Um, And um, so I already believe the script has been written, so I, I don't have fear around it. But I will say I get triggered when I think 
that my loved ones could be suffering. Yeah. And my friend, he and his husband, uh, their child died a couple of years ago. So I'm really holding everything is well for them. And I know that it is, and I believe that it is. And I'm glad to get the good news. So the thing for everyone is to not be a carrier of the virus. We hear you can carry it for weeks and not even know it. That's why I'm self-quarantined. I don't need, I don't need to see my family. I can self-quarantine. I can be home alone for a couple of weeks or even a couple of months. I can. And um yeah, maybe I will get a puppy. <laughs> The thought oh, that I could be self-quarantined for a couple of months. Maybe I would get a puppy under those circumstances. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That sounds wonderful, actually. Uh, one of my, my goals on my list is I would like to train a um, one of those dogs that people who are um, need help, I, I forget, the, the helping dogs. I'd like to tr- raise and train one of those. Um, and so that's on my list of things to do. If you've ever done that, let me know, reach out to me. So I'd like to do that. Um, not if you have one, but if you've trained one. So in paragraph two here of this fear and conflict section in chapter two, it's section six. He says, you must choose to correct your own confusion. Right? He says, I do not foster level confusion, so different levels of the mind, uh, body level, emotional level, mental level, that kind of thing. Um, so we have to recognize our own thinking that we are choosing. But we don't have to uh, eliminate the thoughts. We just have to be willing to have them eliminated. That is the precious message of A Course in Miracles. So whenever there's an upset of any kind, we have an attachment to our belief about something. That's the point right there to invoke Jesus and say, I am giving you control. I am interested in your guidance. He says very clearly, you would not excuse insane behavior on your part, like if you went ballistic and crazy and smashed or burned down your house, you wouldn't excuse it by saying you couldn't help it, right? You wouldn't do that. You would feel a sense of responsibility. So why should you condone insane thinking, right? Because we just think, ah, you made me think. I can remember having that belief They made me think this. They made me think that. They're responsible for my thoughts. Well, no, we must take responsibility for choosing the thoughts that we think, even though it feels like it's involuntary. This is the the key message that he's telling us here. You may believe, he says, that you are responsible for what you do, but not for what you think. The truth is that you are responsible for what you think because it is only at this level, at the level of the mind, that you can exercise choice. What you do comes from what you think. You cannot separate yourself from the truth by giving autonomy to behavior. So our choices of what we do are the result of our thinking, our opinions and beliefs about it, right? So if we're drinking alcohol to ease our pain, it must be because we believe that could work, right? But if we believe that Jesus can take the thoughts out of our mind, heal the patterns and the beliefs back to the root cause, if we are willing and we ask Jesus to do it, then we are saying, I believe Jesus can do it. 
I believe that will be the thing that helps me not getting drunk and passing out. We are the one that makes these choices. It's just like if someone does something, I'm just waiting for spirit to give me what it is, and what I get is the child leaves the door open, right? And the air conditioning goes out, or the heat goes out, or the heat comes in, or the cold comes in, or whatever it is, the dog goes out, or the dog comes in, whatever is happening that you don't like. And you say, I have told you a hundred times to close the door behind you. What is wrong with you? In that moment, we're making a choice and a decision that shaming that child or that person is the best means of getting what we'd like. And that's a destructive act, right? So going back to the beginning of this section um, where he says, being afraid seems to be involuntary, something beyond your own control, yet I've already said that only constructive acts should be involuntary. So constructive acts, meaning extending patience, kindness, compassion. So when we're chastising people in order to shame them or reprimand them, and a reprimand is always to shame somebody. It's always to punish them. If that is our tactic with people, then we haven't given Jesus control. We're not listening to his guidance. And we'll know it because we don't feel good. We feel upset. So what is the answer for upset? Always, always, always self-forgiveness. We forgive ourselves for falling asleep at the wheel and falling back into shaming and blaming and chastising. Yeah, it's tiresome to tell the same person 50 times, honey, shut the door, please. The cold air is coming in, honey. Yep, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for... um, But... Most people, children growing up and things like that, they need to be told 50 times until it becomes their sense memory. Like When I was a kid, my parents would find me a quarter if I left the room for an hour or more and I left the light on. Because it was the, when was it? It was the 70s. Right, and there was the energy, I forget what it was called now, but we were cons- uh, you know, conserving all kinds of fuel and energy. And my parents didn't have money to waste. They didn't. So they trained me to turn the lights off. And that quarter was a punishment, yes. It was also a cost, was also a cost. Look, you're spending the money. Here's the cost. It kind of made sense to me. So I didn't want to give up any of my quarters. So I learned to turn the lights off really quick. It became important to me. It became important to me. If, you, if the child knows that the dog could get out and the dog could run away, it will become important to the child if the child loves the dog. Right, So it's just finding a way for it to become important to the child. But when they see parents doing the same kinds of things, and nobody seems to care about that, the child gets these mixed messages. You need to abide by the rules, but I don't. Right, And every parent gives a child multiple mixed messages. So again, what does it come back to? (laughs) self-forgiveness. One of the things that happens in Finding Freedom and Masterful Living, and we are going to run Finding Freedom next month too, in April, 
um, we'll start it off, my, my Finding Freedom from Fear spiritual boot camp class. We're pulling it together as quick as we can. And one of the things that motivates us, right, is, is fear. We allow ourselves to be motivated by fear. And so we can forgive ourselves for that. One of the things that happens in Finding Freedom and Masterful Living is that people clearly recognize through demonstrating the effect of these teachings when they're implemented, and only when they're implemented, people realize, oh gosh, when I do all this self-forgiveness work, my whole family changes. Our dynamics in the family change. People are amazed that they can powerfully heal relationships through their own self-forgiveness work. And then they realize, ah, all healing is at the level of the mind. Let me not waste any more time or energy trying to change things in the world of form. Seek not to change the world of form, but to change your mind about it. That's the fastest path of healing. And I love that because once you really realize that you're responsible for what you see and how you feel about it, you take that responsibility, you implement that responsibility, you're willing to change your mind, you do the self-forgiveness work, everything in your life actually does heal and transform. It's extraordinary. And then you have so much less fear because now you know you're no longer a victim and you're no longer sabotaging yourself day in and day out. So what he says here is regarding um, behaviors and our impulsive, compulsive uh, behaviors, he says... This is controlled by me automatically as soon as you place what you think under my guidance. Whenever you're afraid, it is a sure sign that you have allowed your mind to miscreate and have not allowed me to guide it. This is how we change our fear-based terror thoughts to peace. We allow Jesus to guide it. And many people... Even in Course of Miracles students, long-time Course of Miracles students fear doing that because they don't trust. And that lack of trust is a projection. So I know it's challenging, but the antidote for lack of trust is trust. Ah, it's life. Life! <laughs> I don't want to hear that. The antidote for lack of trust is trust. But it's through the experience of placing our trust and faith in love, in Jesus' loving guidance, that we discover that having trust and faith in love, in God, in Jesus, is actually going to work. Now, here's one of the reasons why we don't trust and we feel terrorized, is because in this past life experience, this life or any other, we've had multiple experiences where we said things like, Jesus help me, Jesus help me, Jesus help me. And what we wanted was we wanted Jesus to save that person's life. Or we wanted Jesus to hurt that person's business, to help our business. Or we wanted Jesus to win the football match. Or whatever it was that we wanted. We wanted uh, him to love us. We wanted her to uh, stay away from us. Have him stop touching me. Whatever it was. And we, we begged Jesus to help us. And it didn't seem to work. Now, in my understanding of this and my knowing of the truth, when we ask for guidance, for help, 
and we think we know how the help has to come. We may not get that. We may not get our preferences. Even when our preferences are for him to stop molesting me. There's plenty of children that pray for relief from that and don't get any relief. How could that be? How could that be? I don't know that we can comprehend it or understand it from our human experience. But I do stand on the rock that everything works together for good and there are no exceptions. Even if I don't understand it, I'm willing to believe that. I'm willing to know that that is the truth. And I am willing to understand it. I am willing to. I won't say I fully understand it at this moment. And I think that part of it is because we can't see through all directions of time and space to fully understand what anything is for. So this is why we have to have trust and faith in order to have peace. I'm not saying it's easy. It's very challenging, very, very challenging to give up our attack thoughts and to give up our thoughts about what we think things should be and should not be. I I, I I didn't expect it to go that way, but because it did, I'm going to mention that the first weekend in April, I'm doing an online retreat for recovery from sexual abuse. And if you've been looking at that, you've been thinking about it, but you're not sure if it's right for you, you can do an exploratory call with one of the counselors who has been to the retreat in person. This is an online retreat. You can talk with one of the folks who've been there in person, has done this work, and has experienced uh, tremendous healing from childhood abuse. Because all the counselors taking those calls were abused as children. Oh my gosh, we're at the end of our time here. I can't believe it. If you appreciate this, will you please make a donation write a review, something to be helpful. And let us pray. In gratitude, we choose healing. And so it is. Amen. 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 God bless you. Mwah.